Greetings. You are listening to the Marriage Underdogs radio show, and I'm your host, Chris A. Matthews. And once again, I have another dynamic guest. I would like to introduce you all to Dr. Eric Williams, who is the owner of Coastal Family Services out of the Raleigh area. How you doing, brother? Look, man, I can't call it. It's Wednesday night. I'm excited just to be on this air with you. I've uh, been looking forward to this moment for quite some time. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, for those that have followed the show, I'm really big on having licensed marriage and family therapists on. Whenever I have a black male licensed marriage and family therapist, because we are unicorns, I always like to start by getting insight on what led you into this field. That's a good question. And I'm going to share a bit of a story, so hopefully I don't, I don't um, make it too long. But I come from a family where my parents divorced when I was 13. And then at some point later on, both my parents remarried and then they both divorced again. And so I really didn't see what it was like to um, have a family that worked. I just knew what it felt like as a kid growing up in that. It was just trying to figure out who's what, you know, different emotions in the household, people tense. And so I just knew at some point the light bulb went off when I was in high school taking a psychology course that, hey, maybe mental health, psychology is what I want to be. Now, I didn't know much about the field. All I knew was a psychologist existed. And I found out very early on that all you can, if, if you can just talk to people and listen to their problems, you can get paid. So I learned that piece, which was, which was interesting. I was like, wait a minute, people get paid to do this? And so as I got more into it in college, I decided to major in psychology, did um, fairly well. At the end of that four years, my bachelor's, I didn't necessarily know where to go. But at my university, they were starting a marriage and family therapy program. And I was one of the first ones in that program. And once I got into it, I realized this is really what I've been looking for. Now, granted, I had no experience in life experience on what a healthy family should look like, but I was learning along the way. And so life experiences did help connect me to the material. And then it helped me realize that this is really what I was called to do, that I was really called to come out, help um, couples, relationships, and really help other kids that may grow up in the same situation, not experience the same things that I felt as I was growing up too. So that's kind of what brought me into it. And now I really, you know, brand myself as a relationship therapist, um, first and foremost. I love the fact you use the word calling because this work is, is a calling. And for those that are listening that have followed my brand, uh, Dr. E, your story fits across mine in so many different ways. My parents too, married, divorced, married again to only divorce a second time. They also got divorced when I was 13. So I, I, I know your story because it's my story too in a lot of ways. And I find that as Black men, we sometimes may not seek out marriage. Only 30% of Black men are currently married. And when asked that question, why? Because they may not have had a lot of good models of what marriage looks like. So as we pull our sleeves up and get into it, talk about what you believe the major backbreakers are of a marriage to date. So when you would look at why people aren't standing together in, you know, 2023, what, what are the issues? And I want you to really throw the, the intersection of race, throw that in there. Like why are black marriages breaking up? Why are white marriages breaking up? What about socioeconomic status? Really, really hit me with those, 
with those uh contextual factors as well. You know, it's interesting you say that because I'm and as you said, rolling my sleeves. I'm actually literally rolling my sleeves up. I'm like, yep, we're about to really get into this. So <laughs> one, so I'm gonna kind of be all over the map with this. I'm gonna try to keep it focused. So I think there's a lot of different things that play a role in why relationships suffer. I think one of the things, and and I'm kind of share some some anecdotal stories as well, but I see a lot of people having similar experiences to what I had, especially within our own community that say, look, I've seen what it looks like when relationships fail. I never want to be like my mom in that situation. I never want to be like my dad in that situation. And whatever that story, that narrative is, they want to avoid that. So they take that and say, instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to go off and get married to do it differently or better, they'll say, I never want to get married. And so they treat relationships before they even think about marriage. They're like, look, I'm just going to have a relationship with somebody, but I don't want to invest too much because I don't want to be hurt like that. So a lot of people pulling back. So it's a curse. They're they're walking into it already cursed. And I I think about contextual therapy, the debts and ledgers. Yes. They already have those debts upon what they perceive a marriage is going to be before they even try. Exactly. Exactly. And then you couple that, too, with what is now like we grew up in an area where, you know, we didn't have social media. Um, You didn't see all this other stuff. You know, you just knew somebody, you know, got a divorce or whatever or somebody had you just saw it at school or. But nowadays, you can see everything on social media. And so it's almost glorified, too, to not be in a relationship, to be in a community relationship. It's almost glorified to have multiple partners. And so the whole idea of what a relationship is has has been distorted so much that what we call a healthy relationship to one person is very, very different and sometimes in a negative way to what somebody else looks at. And I've found myself in my clinical work asking people now, I feel like it is so important that you almost have to ask every person that comes in, what is your idea of a healthy relationship? And where did you get that idea from? Because I don't ask those two questions, I'm walking into this blindly, but it helps give me some context. And a lot of times I'm learning as I go that there is a lot of, like you said, a lot of baggage, a lot of um, perhaps a, a bit of a curse that's been put upon them that they now live with, not understanding that, and they play it out every day in the way they view other people. But finding the baseline or the social norms or the dominant discourses, the storyline that supersedes what they could have, instead it's a matter of what I think I'm going to have or should have versus what I could have. And as we digress into think about the current conflictual states of any relationship, there are going to be conflictual cycles in any relationship. Conflict is not going to be avoided. It's not a bad thing. And when I look at my own marriage with conflict, I want to say that there's still a level of respect. There's still a level of admiration. There's not conflict I'm in with my wife where I'm thinking we're not going to make it. It's a matter of, this is this this is this is you know discomforting, but I'm not gonna divorce you. Talk about oh. what couples can do to get to that baseline or that plateau of we can fight, but we don't have to worry about throwing another one off the mountain or or calling right. you know divorce on everything. How do how do couples right. get to that level? Right, right. I'm I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound really distorted. So I'm gonna add some context after I say it. But if you've been paying attention to what Jada Pinkett said recently in an interview about her and Will Smith, she was like, we're not going to get a divorce. You know, um, I just can't divorce them. And I think that's the thing. When couples can learn how to take that word out of the vocabulary, 
and sets them up in one sense to know, okay, this is something that to work through. Now, I'm not saying that divorce all the way is bad. I'm not going to go that far. And I'm also not saying you follow all of Jada Pinkett's advice because that's a whole another thing. That's another show. It's but really the commitment is, I'm hearing, though. It's that level exactly. that there's not going to be another alternative. So that, exactly. I think that's one thing. I think, but the, the part that I think some people get afraid of is they think about the divorce before they even get married. Mm. And like, but what if this doesn't work? You know, what if it, it, you know, I lose all my money. What if I lose my whole identity? So this idea of divorce before it even happens. And I'm like, if you can get rid of that part of the thinking and say, look, I know we're going to go through some hard times. I'm going to commit to this. But also I have the idea that in order for it to be great, it's got to go through some, some, um, some challenges. It's got to be seasoned, you know, by the challenges of life, finances, health, like all those things are going to season this relationship enough to get us to a better place. But I have to embrace that piece. And a lot of people don't accept that piece. They think about, well, what's the worst thing I could have? Oh, I'm going to divorce. I can lose my money, lose my dinner. And so before they even get married, that's one of the things. So I think when couples, like, to your question, how do they stay the course? It is a matter of adopting the idea in the beginning that this is going to be great but it's also going to have some challenges along the way. And we both have to take away the idea that divorce is necessarily the option. Now, again, I'm not distorting and saying, look, divorce cannot be had. There's some, some situations where it can be fine, but the takeaway message is don't walk into this thinking I'm going to get divorced or I'm we going to get divorced because that's usually going to set us up. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that, oh, well, he stayed out too late or she's uh, she didn't cook tonight. I guess we gotta get a divorce. Like, no, no, we don't. We gotta take that out of the. the so, so don't be looking for the reason to call it quits. And I believe that couples do that, even intentionally or unintentionally, looking for the reason. When you think about like the name calling or just the sheer disrespect, what can men and women? And I use the the gender differences intentionally because right. men, I know personally, even in the work that I do as well, when a man feels like he's not getting respect he shuts down. At that point, nothing else really matters. And when a woman feels like she's not getting that attention or that acknowledgement, she's going to even use disrespect as a catalyst to get something, whether it be negative or positive attention. So talk about what couples can do to avoid or get off those negative thought loops or behavior loops of, I'm going to create conflict just to get attention and you're going to disrespect me and I'm going to go further away from you. But when you disrespect me, I give you some attention, and now we have this negative behavior loop going right. on. Right. No, no, I think that's a great question. And so I, I see that quite a bit in, in the work I do. And what I've learned, um, even in my, in my own life, <laughs> so it's even added to me, I've learned that me especially, and just in general, um, whichever spouse, if you notice something about your partner, so look, this person not respecting me, they're not appreciating me, whatever the case may be, whatever your gripe may be, that you're feeling a certain kind of way, I think it's always a great word, great idea to be curious and to use that curiosity to understand like, hey, here's what I'm thinking or here's what I'm noticing. I noticed for the last, you know, however long it's been um, that you've seen, you know, just different. You know, when we first met you this way, now you're this way. And I just want to know, is there something happening? Is there something I can help you with? And establishing that from a curious base makes it more of a discussion than a name calling. But then you can also add in the fact that this is how it's affecting me. This is how it's affecting our relationship. And what happens now is instead of, and, and so I don't want people to say, look, I can't talk about it. And I don't want you necessarily to say, I can't talk about my feelings. Still talk about them, but talk about them from a place of curiosity. The right. curiosity is, I notice you're different now. Something's shifted. 
And I want to know, do I play a role in this? Is there something I can support you with? And it, they may be dismissive. They may not necessarily talk about it. They may even, you know, uh, not identify with it at all. But at least you've approached it from that standpoint. And then it's also something to say, hey, you know, well, here's how I'm kind of experiencing the situation. And what it does is to give the person the opportunity to go left or right. You know, in the, in the matrix term, they can take the blue pill or the red pill. Right. Either they continue doing it <laughs> or they can decide, hey, I'm going to take this pill and I'm going to stop. I'm going to work on not doing it. But at least you present it in a way where it's a discussion more so than an attack, because an attack is also going to get you mostly them just reacting and, and holding back. And that's where the defensiveness comes in, right? Exactly. Justifying this, you know, safeguarding, the, right. turning it back on you. Well, you do it too, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's how we avoid defensiveness by having a sense of curiosity. And it sounds like we're creating a space where there's a collaborative perspective. Right. And I, I tell couples, be be your partner's student. Right. Right? Like, like allow that. your partner like to teach you versus attempting to preach. So instead of right. preach, learn to be, you know, teachable. Instead right. of preachable, be teachable. Right? <laughs> absolutely. Well, absolutely. I, I like that, that the idea of being a student because I think it kind of goes both ways. You also have to be a teacher. And so when a person says, hey, you know, how are you feeling? There's something I can do. Be willing to share what they can do versus just shutting down and not telling them because then they can't do anything and it puts them in a bad position because, and I see this, I want to sound sexy when I say this, but usually when I see females as, as clients, they're the ones that will say, oh, well, I noticed he was kind of down, so I tried this, but then that didn't work. So she would try something else, but because she didn't get feedback about what she was doing, if it worked or not, then she just keeps trying stuff, not knowing that it's aggravating him the whole time. And and it's rejection, sure it's rejection, rejection. Exactly. She's taking, you know. Exactly. She's taking a rejection. Although I'm trying, and he's looking at it as you just pestering me. Once you leave me alone, and it creates a bigger situation. So I think sometimes that's where a a challenge, and I, that I've seen a lot of times in couples, where if I'm not communicating well enough to be a teacher for you, I'm not going to help you see ways or try to find ways to help me out and support me then a the person will kind of take it upon themselves, kind of wandering in the dark, trying to support you as best they can. And they find out later on, they just got rejected the whole time and they feel even worse. Absolutely. You must be with somebody else now. Well, what's going on? And, right. You know, instead of looking at it for the fact that you just, you didn't share it with them. Absolutely. And a lot of that starts with the mind reading. When you're with someone, especially for a decent amount of time, you attempt to do what worked last time, but it might not work this time. And having the, Understanding that adaptability is really the greatest benefit that you can give your marriage. Adapt right. to the alterations of your partner changing. And I, I look at, you know, my wife, we, right. you know, we're, we're both touching 40. And there are a lot of changes, you know, physiologically that you go through and the biology right. of your, you know, your body's changing and and the emotions and the ebbs and flows. And I, I would say this analogy, I've, I felt like in my own marriage, as I get closer into my faith, especially that I'm I'm clinging on to a flagpole and life is the wind that's just blowing me, blowing me around and around. But I'm just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let go of that flagpole. And that flagpole is the commitment to my marriage, the commitment to my wife, the commitment to my family. Right. So many people will be concerned at their discomfort and they'll let go of that pole. Right. And, when you look at the research, second and third marriages don't have a higher success rate. No. 
you know, and I tell couples a lot of the work I'm doing now is really intensive packages that I'm offering for those couples that are really at the ends with of this might be the, this is the, this is it tour. That's what I call it. I have the, this is the it tour couples. Right. And I tell them, I say, Hey, I'm so glad that you're getting help now because the regret and the shame that comes over you to realize that you could have had what you wanted with this current partner with the right help. And then you now are just on this cycle of never getting that need met and uh, protect couples from that. Talk about, talk about certain, and I'm throwing this at you talk about different, cycles or patterns you see couples go through, whether it be inflection points due to becoming empty nesters or starting a business together or potential um, trauma or hardship, grief, loss. Give give those some different inflection points that you see couples coming into your office for and, and give some insight on how to assess and, and treat those. Uh, so, so I like that question because I work a lot with military couples like i'll say probably the bulk of my my caseload are military connected individuals uh or families and a lot, wow, of a lot of time exactly there's always some transition so that cycle the one of the ones that i say was most pronounced is when the service member male or female it doesn't really matter um one person's service connected the other one may or may not be but the somebody had to leave Somebody has to go to a training uh, and go, be, go away for a while. Somebody has to go for a deployment, go away for a while. Somebody, and so what happens is there is a family that is used to running with two people, then they're used to running with one person. Then there's two people, then there's one person. And so at some point, especially when kids are involved, the person who may not necessarily be going away gets used to a certain system that says, look, this is how we function. This is our routine. And not this person... The, the, the parent, the, the um, military connected person is there. They decide, you know, not decide, they get, you know, sent off to a school and may go, go on a deployment. The person, the, the parent is there is learning how to manage the household by themselves. And they get it now packed. So, all right, we got it. Then the, par- the parent comes back, the partner comes back. And now they're like, okay, I'm going to let you in, but this is kind of how we do things. So it takes, there's an adjustment period. I got to adjust to getting back into the swing of things. And as soon as they get back to used to it, then that person goes away again for whatever reason, deployment, you know, training or whatever. They got work long shelves. And so the person that was there is like, look, if this is how it's going to be, they just get to a point like, look, I can't keep changing my system up for you, you know. And so at some point, they just kind of hold on to it. Well, secretly fit in or or get out. Exactly. So secretly, there's this, this fracture that happens in a relationship. And now it's kind of like, I can't let go of the way we do things because the parent that's there, um, that's not military connected, they get used to a certain way of doing things. They don't want to let it go because they can't trust that when this person comes back, they're going to stick to it very long. And, and that so happens, that's the cycle that I see. And that happens with blended families because you're Absolutely. not walking into that where you have couples coming together that already have children and they've established norms and, and they've they've created a system or a process that works. And then on top of that, if you have a single mother or a single father that has been running that same system and now they come together to create a shared system, there's a lot right. of conflict with that too. Right. And uh, right. So I could definitely see the emotions up in, in, in that, in that cycle. Talk about sure. how couples 
can fight against the gravitational pull of life. Sure. So, right? so I, I'm glad you brought, came back to that because I was actually going to talk about that earlier. So, I this is not a term that is probably found in a book, or it may be, but I think something you said before about the, the analogy with the flag post and holding on. I think in, in life, the I the being emotionally flexible versus emotionally rigid is what helps a lot of families stay afloat. And also adopting the idea that we evolve the needs and expectations to make us work will evolve over time versus thinking that if we do this today, you know, October 18th, 2023, that this is how relationships should operate from this point on. I'm like, yep, that's not going to happen. That is not. But a lot of people adopt this idea that, look, once I get this and it works, then we don't have to change anything else. And, and understanding that as and the way I uh, uh, said to my clients is just like everything around you is evolving. We started with the iPhone one. Now we got the iPhone, whatever. <laughs> you know, We yeah. started out, we had the phones that were, you know, you know, with the cord. Now we got cell phones. Like, so everything around mm-hmm. us is evolving. Also know the needs and expectations that you have and your partner, they're going to evolve too. This, this relationship, everything's going to evolve. So you can't have everything around you evolving, but think we can do everything in our relationship the same way and things going to work. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to work that way. So you have to evolve with it. And just know career changes, kids changes, um, you know, whatever life throws at you, the needs and expectations. So approach it with curiosity. Say, hey, here's what's happening. I know in the past this is what we've done, but I'm now I'm realizing that that's not really going to work for us anymore. Have you thought about what else we can do now to make us work better because it's not really working? Or how do you think things are working with us now? Because I know in the past it's worked for us, but do you think it's still working for us now? Like, again, coming from a place of curiosity to have a conversation it's much better than saying, hey, you're not doing, you're not pulling your weight. You're not doing this, you know, and I'm I'm guilty of doing that in the past myself, you know, like, look, what are you doing? Like, this is, you know, but coming from this curiosity, so that way you, again, again, and have a conversation where it's more collaborative, more so than, you know, this is what we're going to do, or what are you doing that's not going to help us out? And it sounds like a lot of what you're describing looks like reducing defensiveness, creating a safe environment where the dialogue can be had, messages can be sent, and more importantly, received the way they are intended to, right? So before we go, I know our time is running out. I want to ask you to speak right now to the marriage underdogs, the the couples who are on the brink of divorce, they're in a tough season, they're fighting upstream, they don't want a divorce, but every day they're contemplating if they should stay in it. What what hope do you have for those couples? Why should they stay? Talk about yeah. talk to those couples for a second. I'm not just freestyle. Like talk to them. Let's let's hear. It. Sure. Talk to them. Sure, sure, no problem. I had a, a, a supervisor once say this to me, and it stuck with me ever since. This is before I was even licensed, and he's an LMFT also. And he said, sometimes couples are like whitewater rafting, and they're going down the rapids. It's really tough. Whatever he said, the last thing you want to tell them is, "Yep." You should jump out right now. It is not the best time to jump out. You don't jump out at all. You stay in there. You hold on. You clean together until you get down to calm waters. And essentially, that's kind of how marriage is. But there's going to be some tough times. That's a part of the excitement. But you know, in white water rafting, but even in a relationship, that's part of the excitement. This is how you get prepared for the things to come. But a lot of times, people want to pull away. And my suggestion and recommendation is, you know what? Embrace it for what it is. This is just that interesting time. It's a very tough time. Things may not be going the best way, but it's also a part of the growth process for the relationship. If your relationship is not going through something tough, it's 
probably not growing the way it should. And so you're going to face those, but it's also a great way to look at yourself and say, or look at your partner, actually look at both of you and say, okay, what are some areas I need to focus on to grow stronger in? Um, and then focus on that piece. Don't necessarily call out your partner and tell them what they got to focus on, right. but make it more about you and say, look, all right, this is kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm coming up short. I know I probably could have said that differently. I could have acted differently. I can communicate better, but use those moments to really say, okay, how do I evaluate just how strong we are? We can get stronger because you started that way. You started out without a bond. You got to know this person. The bond got strong. You married this person. And at some point, the bond, the, 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 the bond got a little bit weaker. But you got it strong before, so we can do it again. Just know that sometimes it's going to take different strategies and sticking in there. The idea is not to have a relationship without conflict. The idea is not to have a relationship that um, it's just going to be you know, perfect all the time. The real idea is to have a relationship where you're strong enough to go through the tough times with your partner so that we can come out on the end and then your relationship be a true testimony to other relationships that are out there just going through the same exact thing. That's what you want to have. And if you have kids, just know, just like Chris and I are talking about our experiences as kids, your kids are watching you too. And they're going to take cues from you on how to handle these tough times. And so your, your relationship is a bit of a testimony for other relationships, whether it be your own kids, it could be nephews and, and nieces, it could be anybody else, but they're looking to you to get that sense. So letting go and just, you know, it's, it's, it's a strategy, not a winning strategy, but I think understanding that you and your partner are really there for each other. And as soon as we can tilt our lens just a little bit to say, you know, we're going through a tough time, but it's our tough time. It's not my tough time versus your tough time. It's, it's our tough time that we got to figure out how to get through it. So Definitely. Man, doctor, you've put on a masterclass. I, I love how you talked about creating a space of curiosity when you have a dialogue with your partner. You got into the analogy I love or metaphor that the story of the raft and hanging on despite the rapids and, and being twirled around. And something you said, I want to highlight the excitement. Yeah. That's what makes marriage. That's what makes monogamy fun. The excitement all within that one relationship or that one shared space with that person and your kids are watching. So Dr. E, before we go, share again how our listeners can contact you, any projects you have going on. Sure, sure. So um, you can always reach me by, excuse me, my website is coastalfamilyservicesplc.com. We can just Google Coastal Family Services. Uh, I'm in Fayetteville area um, slash Raleigh area. So I do a lot of virtual work um, specifically with couples. I also see, you know, at-risk youth, um, adolescents. Uh, so I work with those populations, also men, uh, men's type issues. Um, also, um, you can always, you know, find me, you know, I, I think a lot of what I do now is I end up, you know, doing podcasts. I also, um, you know, get on other people's, you know, platforms and we may talk about relationship issues. And so I think the, the the biggest way to reach me is find my website, you know, Coach Family Services, um, and also um, my my contact number. Um, I'll put that out there too, 910-364-9709. Again, 910-364-9709. Um, that's how you reach my office, but also you'll find me somewhere on somebody's platform just trying to spread the good word um, about how to be resilient in these tough times. 
um, for our couples. Hey, it's been a pleasure to have you, Dr. E. Uh, for those that are listening, you've tuned in to the Marriage Underdogs radio show. I'm your host, Chris A. Matthews. We are uh, launching a new episode every Tuesday by way of Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. New episodes are dropping. Like, share, comments. You can also get at us at marriageunderdogs.com. Once again, Chris A. Matthews, thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week with another guest.